want you to get your Bible turned to Mark chapter 6. We are in our Reach Be the Different series. And what we're doing is we, we have identified several weeks ago, we identified our, our uh, mission and purpose statement, which is the five E's. And the five E's, I won't go into all of that, but it's basically to exalt, uh, to encourage, to equip, to educate, to evangelize. Those are the things that we're doing. But Reach is the way that we do that. Reach is how we do those five E's. And so we've been talking about this the last several weeks, that we're, when we reach out to make a difference, the way that we are going to reach is we're going to reach with relevance. We're going to be relevant in everything we do. We're going to reach with excellence. We're going to be authentic. We're going to reach with authenticity. We talked about that last week. Didn't you think that KD did just a fantastic job last week talking about authenticity? Amen. Thank you, KD. And today we're going to talk about how that we're going to do that with compassion. That's the C. So we hit the A last week, and this week we're going to hit the C and talk about what does that mean? What does the C in all of that mean? As we said, it talks about compassion. This is how we're going to accomplish these five E's. You know, before I get any further, though, I want to, I just want to give the Lord glory. Can I do that again? I mean, God has been so, he has been so gracious to our church over the years. I'll tell you, uh, all of you that, that go to our church and love our church, you love us. But there is one entity out there that, that there's actually two. The devil hates us. And then there's another one that doesn't like us very much. And that's insurance companies. Insurance companies don't like us a lot. Why? Because, you know, insurance, if you're in insurance, I'm not talking bad about you. But it's basically you're in a, you're in a gambling business. I mean, the whole gamble is that you're going to take in a whole lot more money than you pay out. And in most places, that's the case. But at our church over the last 20 years, we have had the opportunity to use the insurance a lot. Amen. You know, it, start, it, we, we, it started with, a, with a, a, a roof that needed to be put on a building that, that went right in the middle of summer. And we said, what are we going to do? We can't afford to put a roof on this building. And I said, what we need is a hailstorm. And the deacon said, it don't ever hail this time of year. And the next week, the hail tore the roof off that building. And we put our insurance paid for a roof and put it on the building. And then, then we said, well, we need to remodel our facilities. And so two weeks later or so, actually, we had a meeting about it on Monday. Two days later from that meeting, the, bur- the building burned to the ground. So we built a new building, which you're sitting in right now that the Lord miraculously provided for and insurance paid for. Somebody say amen. And then this winter, you know, this carpet in here was starting to look kind of grungy. Been in here five years or so. So this winter we had a couple of pipes burst out there and it flooded the foyer and ran all the way down here and filled up the altar with water. And that's why things look like they do because it's kind of been in disarray ever since Serbro came in and cleaned up. But this week the insurance sent the check and look at this new carpet in our sanctuary and all the new tra- isn't that awesome? You didn't you didn't pay for that except for the fact that with your ties you partially paid for premiums that but I'll tell you we're way ahead on this insurance game around here. You don't get to do that very often but we are way ahead on this situation. And uh, and so it's just neat that right it, it just it's really awesome. Because whether or not you've bought into this REACH campaign, the neat thing about it is we're on the right track. Whether you like it or not, God apparently likes it because in the midst of us trying to sacrifice or whatever we're doing to make his house right, he has said, I'm going, I'm going to help. And so all of this, can you imagine how many thousands and thousands of dollars this would have cost to do this? And they're not done yet because they still have the, you know, the, the cove to do. They'll, they'll be doing all that over the next couple of weeks. 
But it's not finished yet. There's still more going on out in the foyer. Tiles getting put back up and carpets getting fixed out. I mean, there's just so many things that are that are happening. And uh, we were even able to go with the, with the carpet that's out there in here, which the first time around, guys, it wasn't in the budget to have this carpet. So we had the other carpet. And this time, due to the insurance and the, the way that they came through, we're able to do this carpet. And, it, and this whole project so far, everything that we've got in this is like $1,000 our cost. So it, you say, well, $1,000 is a lot of money. Well, well, not when you're talking about 6 and $7 million. A thousand is not that much. So that is a huge blessing that that the insurance, somebody say amen, we appreciate the insurance company. Amen. Somebody pray for Brotherhood Insurance because we they need to have they need to make money somewhere. Because if they're gonna keep supplying all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, they're gonna need to make some money somewhere. Somebody say amen. But we are thankful that they, they really have been good a good company. I don't know how long they'll hang on to us, but we, we plan to hang on to them for a long time. Is this working out? We enjoy this relationship that we're having with them. So we intend to just be friends for a long time, but I don't know how long they're going to have us. <laughs> but the Lord has a way of taking care of, of his house, especially when it's on our heart to do it. When we say, God, we think that when we talk about excellence, we're not talking about perfection but we're talking about our best you remember we talked about excellence it's not perfection it's our best and we want to give our best to our god because we love him and we appreciate him and so so we hit on we hit on all those things over the last few weeks relevance excellence authenticity today we want to talk about compassion and i I want you to turn as i said to mark chapter six we're going to be looking at verse 34 but there's you know when we start talking about compassion I, i want to kind of take that to another level uh, because I know that most of you think you know what compassion is, and you do. You have an idea. Compassion is being kind, and it's being uh, sympathetic to the needs of others. But the, the actual word that we're using here it comes, that is found in our text is so much more emphatic. It goes so much deeper than just our superficial idea of what compassion would be. And so we're going to talk about that today. And I, I want to take you to another instance. You know, Jesus was always our example. He led in everything that we try to do. He led us in that by example. And so in compassion, it's no different. He led us in compassion. And he teaches us to be compassionate people by his own example. And, and I'm going to point you specifically to a passage of Scripture today that, that beautifully illustrates his compassion and the way he wants us to have compassion for one another. And so it's found there in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. But before I read it, I want to just give you a little bit of a foundation about what What's going on up until this point before I read these verses of Scripture? And you need to understand that this is on one of the most difficult and saddest days in Jesus' life when he was on this earth. The story that we're talking about today took place on one of his most difficult days. You need to understand this is the day he had found out that his cousin John had been beheaded. News had just come to him that said, Your first cousin, John, who you grew up with, you're only six months apart in age. Your cousin, John, has been beheaded. Why? Has he committed a crime? No, it's just because just because he belongs to God and he's a he's a prophet and he's baptizing people in the name of of Jesus and the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he's got to go. And so the word gets back to Jesus that John has been killed. In fact, he's been beheaded and his head has been delivered 
on a platter to those who wanted it. Isn't that a morbid and terrible thing? And the word comes back to Jesus, and Jesus is, I'm sure he's just devastated by this because he was close to him. And so Jesus says, you know what, guys? He said, we just need to get away. You can look at it in there. You can read the verses preceding. He says, we need to get away, and we just need to rest. We need to go someplace and get apart away from this and try to, and he said, I need to get my mind right, basically what he's saying. Anybody ever had to do that? Things just, I mean, it just pours in on you just like, I just got to back up for a minute. Just give me a, just give me a little bit of space. I know it happens to me. I'm one of those guys. I spend a lot of time by myself because that's how I reflect and that's how I meditate. That's how I keep my mind right. I spend a lot of time by myself, a lot of time meditation, reading, prayer, those kinds of, that's how I keep that, that's how I keep that mind fresh and keep the body going. And so I know that this is what's going on in Jesus' mind. He says, you know what? Let's, fellas, let's get together. Let's get away from here. Let's go to a separate place of, apart from the people. Uh, we haven't even had a chance to eat. Let's go somewhere and let's rest. Let's find something to eat and let's relax a little bit and let me have a little bit of time to pray and get with my father and get my mind right about this whole thing. This is the day that this is happening. This is what's going on in Jesus' mind and in his life. And so... They get in a boat, they attempt to get away from the crowds, but they're spotted from the bank. And the word gets out so that by the time that they land, there's already a crowd there that's waiting for them. And I'm not talking about a crowd this size. I'm talking about a crowd of thousands. In fact, here in a few minutes, we're going to find out that Jesus fed thousands with the loaves and fish. When it talks about that, it lists the amount of men that were there. But when you add up the fact that there, that there were ladies and children, they didn't list them all. There's probably somewhere between twelve and 15,000 people. Now, are they all waiting at the shore when he comes aboard? Maybe not. You know how it is. A crowd gets together, word gets out, and more and more come. So perhaps at this point, this is, we don't know. I'm just speculating. Perhaps at this point, there's, a, there's several hundred or maybe a couple thousand that have spotted him. They've already come together, and they're waiting for him to come ashore. He comes ashore, and, man, the word gets out. He's here. He's here. Here's the guy that does miracles. Here's the guy that always gives you something. You know, pe- people that are generous can always get a crowd around them. Amen? If, you, if you're willing to do something for somebody, word will always get out, and there will always be a crowd gathering up to get something handed out. And so here they start coming. Jesus is here. Oh, good. I got something I need him to do. Good. I need him to heal somebody. Good. We need something. Good. We need a prayer answered. All right. This is great. And so the crowd's all gathering in on this day where Jesus just lost his cousin, and all he's trying to do is get something to eat and sit down and get his mind right. Have you ever felt the weight of responsibility to the point that you couldn't get your breath? Have you ever been there? Where that, where that you, you're thinking in your heart and your mind, I just need a minute. And, you, and, and it's hard not to become impatient at those times. We're like, you just say to the people around you, hang on just a minute. I mean, I'm not trying to be crude, but there been, there's been seasons in my life, and they're still like that sometimes, where you are so busy and, and people are lined up and they're, and they're waiting until you don't even have time to go to the bathroom. You ever, you ever, anybody ever been in a deal like that? We're like, I'm not trying to be crude, but I, boy, unless God, unless God takes away the natural functions of this body, I'm going to need healing of my own. I, I got to get away for a second. But the weight of this world could get on you that way where that when you become a responsible person and the, and the, the people are constantly coming to you, you, you get to where you feel like, man, I, if I don't get a minute here, I'm going to blow a gasket. If I, if I can't get a second here and get away from these folks and get my mind right, I'm going to do something or say something that's not going to be right. 
And so when we get really tired, we become vulnerable and we need those seasons of rest. Jesus is at a moment where he just needs some rest and yet the crowds are lining up. Can I, can I identify with anybody yet? Anybody here identifying? Boy, it just never ends, Pastor. I keep telling myself, if I get through this season, it's going to get better. How many of you know the season coming is going to bring challenges with it too? Boy, if we just get past this, we spend our lives trying to get past something, don't we? I preached a message about that a couple years ago about don't wish and waste your life. Don't wish it away. Don't try to get from this to next. Learn how to enjoy this moment because you always think the grass is greener on the other side. It never is. You do, we do it with our finances all the time. Now, if we can just get the kids through school, all right, and we got the kids. Now, if we can just get the bills paid, now if we can just afford our medication, that's how it happens. We could get the kids through school, then we're going to free up all this. You ever had those conversations? If we could just get them through elementary school, buy their paste and scissors, then we're going to be good. Time they get to be junior high, they won't need no money. Boy, if we could just get them through junior high, we'll get them to college, then they'll be grown. They won't need no money. Boy, if we could just, if we could, I'm telling you, we go through our life, and then by the time we get done with that, then we look around and we say, man, I'm hurting. I'm getting old. I got to go spend money on me now. Or I got to spend, so it's always something no matter what. The point I'm making is no matter what you do or what season of life you're in, you always think maybe the next one will be better. And in ways it will, in others it won't. So this crowd situation that Jesus has got going on is not going to get better until they put him in the grave. He's even going to have a crowd gather around to watch him hang on the cross. For as many people as love him, there'll be even that many or more that'll come to watch him hang on the cross. And that's another lesson for us to learn. You trying to get everybody to like you, same ones that like you today that's got their hand out might crucify you tomorrow. So you're going to have to find a way to get that mind right in the midst of whatever's going on in your life. Yet in the middle of all of that, you need to understand that the seasons of life are going to bring things to you that are going to constantly keep you under stress, constantly keep you under pressure. And in the midst of that, you got to figure out how to get your mind right so that you can still be pleasing to the Lord and be a compassionate person. Because when you get stressed, you don't want to be compassionate anymore. When you get, when you're just dimed out and stressed out, you finally get to the place where, leave me alone. Get. I was terrible when my, when my kids were little. They'll still remember the two words I used to say to them. Two words. And they knew what the two words were. Get and shut. So I would look at them and I'd say, two words. They'd say, get and shut. And then they'd leave. Nobody's mean to their kids like that, are they? Nobody else ever did anything like that. If they forgot the words, I'd remind them, get and shut. Get out and shut up. Those are the two words. None of y'all ever done like that. I'm telling you, we all get to those places in our life where we feel like that. I'm guarantee, I guarantee you, on this particular day, our compassionate Lord and Savior, when he looked out of that boat and saw them lining up, he is like, oh, my Lord. And he was Lord. Oh, my Lord. Talking to himself. Look at this. John is dead. He's my bud, my cousin. 
I ain't had nothing to eat. Trying to get with these guys so we can get away and just pray and look at this. You said Jesus wasn't like that. Maybe not. Maybe he wasn't like that. I would be. I promise you I would be. I bet you would be too. So what happens in verse 34? When Jesus got out of the boat, he saw a large crowd and he said, get and shut. (laughs) And the crowd scattered and ran like cockroaches who had been discovered in the light. (laughs) Aren't you glad the word doesn't read that way? Because then we're like, well, what are we going to do now? I'll think to ask him for something today. Think about it. next time you go to prayer, you go to the Lord in prayer, and all you do is ever ask. You're like, I'm going to hear them two words from here on. Lord, I'm coming. To, all right, getting shut. I understand. But Jesus didn't like that. When Jesus got out of the boat, he saw a large crowd, and he felt sorry for them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So he spent a lot of time teaching them. Now, you need to know what some of these words mean. When you see the word felt sorry for them, if you were to go back and look at that in King James, it it, it puts it in this phrase, he was moved with compassion. Now, that word moved is a very emphatic word. It signifies, and this is a strange way to put this, but it really does illustrate it. It signifies a vehement affection. It's, it's pity or compassion at the misery of someone else to the point that you are moved to your very innermost. In fact, when you study that out, it talks about how that the people of that day... They uh, equated, you know, they equated the heart as being the seat of emotions, but they equated the bowels as being the place of pity and compassion, that they just hurt all the way to their bowels. And this is the, this is the, the term, of the, this is the picture that's being painted as this is being written when, when it is written in this passage. This is the picture that people would get. When it said Jesus was moved with compassion, they're like, oh yeah, I've loved him. I've felt pity for people so much it just hurt me all the way inside. I just hurt all the way down deep. Huh? You ever just, you, you just feel it in the pit of your stomach? You just worry for somebody, you pray for somebody, you're so concerned about somebody, you just feel it in the pit of your stomach. That means you are being moved with compassion. Hmm. Why does he feel this way? He says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. When you study that, it means that they were, what was being said there is... He, They were scattered, they were confused, they were lost, and they had no one to teach them. Why not? Where are the Pharisees? I thought the Pharisees are supposed to be their teachers. Where are the scribes? Where's the priests? Well, the scribes and the priests were proud and they were corrupt. And actually, if the truth was known, they despised the common people. The ones who were supposed to be teaching them and reaching out to them didn't even like them. They liked wearing the robes. They liked getting the respect. They liked having the position, but they didn't even like the people. 
So when Jesus got out of the boat on this worst day of his life, he sees them and he's moved with compassion. He's got a pity for them because they're confused and they're lost. And they have no one to teach them. They're like sheep that are scattered. He knows the scribes and the Pharisees. The priests don't care about them. They've been neglected. They've been rejected. These people are grieved and they're distressed and they're sorrowful. And I was studying this and I thought, oh, so they're just like people today. Oh, so they're just like people today who don't know Jesus. It's the same thing. Distressed. Sorrowful. It's no different. So many people in our generation have been disillusioned with religion because they've been deceived or they've been misled or they've been taken advantage of. But Jesus was authentic, remember? Jesus was the real deal. And so when he saw their plight, he was obliged to intervene on their behalf. He's, he's deeply moved to, to his very soul per their condition. And so regardless of his own grief and his own problem, the scripture says he begins to reach out to them. There's three ways that the scripture teaches us from this passage that he reached out to them. And from this, we, and from other accounts, we, we also learned that there's three things that Jesus did when it came to the crowds. And we're going to break those down. But he tolerated, he taught, and he touched these weary people. We're going to do the same thing. If we're going to act with compassion, then we're going to have to do these three things. Number one... We're going to have to tolerate the hurting. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes when people come to you in need, they come at a time that you don't feel like ministering to them. They're not always going to come on the day that you've been praying for two hours and you've been praying, God, send me somebody to minister to. In fact, rarely will they come that way because rarely will you spend that kind of time in prayer praying that he does. So what's going to happen is in your going, in living your life, in the midst of a good day or a bad day, if it matters not, somebody's going to approach you with a need. May not be an inconvenient time. You may not even be well yourself. How many times have we, have we ministered to people when we were ill ourselves? How many times have we taught or preached or, or prayed for people when we were sick too? I'm going to tell you something about it. It'll cost you your time and it will cost you your money and it will cost you your resources to minister to people. But just remember this example of Jesus. On one of the saddest days of his life, he sees this crowd and he feels sorry for them and he tolerates them and he doesn't just do it out of grudgery because he's not. He does it with love and patience. Remember that the next time somebody asks you for something or needs something from you or tries to reach out to you because they're in a desperate situation, remember that regardless of how you feel. Remember that. Well, I don't feel like dealing with them today. I'm sick myself. I don't have no money for them. I'm broke. I don't have time to mess with them. Jesus tolerated the crowd because he was compassionate. The difference there in, in, just, in just being... Um, my, you know, somewhat mindful and compassionate is you can be somewhat mindful and say, hey, I heard of so-and-so and they're down on their luck. We ought to pray for them today. They're out there right now, but I'm not going to go talk to them. So-and-so came up here for prayer. They're fixing to have surgery. I'm not going to go pray for them, but y'all, if y'all think to. 
compassion says, I, I, I hurt to my innermost. I, so-and-so is about to have surgery. So-and-so is, is in need. So-and-so is in a desperate situation. So-and-so just got terrible news. Man, the compassion in me causes me to hurt for them down in my pit of my stomach. I'm praying for them. This is urgent. That's my brother. That's my sister. Whether you feel like it that day or not, true compassion says that you're going to tolerate with love and patience. Number two, he taught them, teach. We have to be ready to instruct, advise. Listen to these terms. This is what teach means. Teach is to instruct, but not just that. It's to advise, it's to counsel, it's to correct, and it's to educate. All of those forms combine to culminate in what we would call teaching. Teaching is not a person that just sits down with a book and gathers up a group and reads to them. That could be a part of it, but that's not it. Teaching involves a whole lot more than that. If you're going to instruct or advise or counsel or correct or educate someone, guess what? That's going to take a little bit of time. That's going to take a little bit of work on your, on your part to be prepared to do that. That's teaching. And we teach whether we feel good or bad. And we invest in people when sometimes we suspect they're not even going to receive it. Some of the most frustrating times of counsel I've ever had in my life were spending time with people. I'd spend hours with people in counsel. And then they would get up, walk out of my office and go do the very thing that we just talked about them not doing. I was so frustrated. I just wasted two hours of my life. That's what I said one time. This was one girl. Had a girl come, literally, literally had one. I can tell it because she's not, I ain't seen her in years. So I'm sure she's not here today. Came to me one time. She's married, right? She's married and she comes for counseling to me and wants to know if I think it's okay if she goes and has an affair on her husband. Because the guy wants her to go spend a weekend with him. Well, Lord, no. No, that's not okay. Let me show you in the Bible. Two hours we spent. She got up, left, and went for the weekend. I threw my hands up in the air. Of course, it ended in divorce. Can you imagine? I threw my hands up in the air. Like, I just wasted two hours of my life with someone that had a brain fit in, in between there someplace. And I got to tell you, I struggle. If she was to come back today and want me to spend two hours counseling her, I'd have a really hard time doing it. But I think I would. I think I would because there's something about me even as naive and as dumb as I am that causes me to want to believe the best in people. And to hope that they want to change. So I would do it again, I think. I'm trying to be real honest with you. I think I would do it again. I might get burned again, but I think I would do it again. Because there's something in me that says, man, we got to try. She, she's going to go to hell if she keeps going on like that. We got we to gotta teach her. We got to reach out. We got to, it don't matter. We got to, even on her terms, we got to do this. Compassion dictates that we reach out to her and teach her. 
So we sow seed on good ground and bad ground in hopes that it's going to take root and produce. Because we do know one thing for sure, that the word won't return void. So when we put the word in them, even if they make bad decisions and they do the wrong thing, they still got the word. And at least they know the truth, whether they choose to act upon it or not, is up to them. But at least they know the truth. We have to teach them. Jesus taught these people because he knew that they weren't receiving the good news anywhere else. Nowhere else in our world are people receiving the good news. They're not getting the good news from television. People aren't getting the good news online. or Sometimes they're not even getting the good news in places called churches. They're not getting it in universities. Public schools aren't teaching them the good news. It's insane that it's illegal to share the good news that saves and heals and betters every person's life. But if the lost can't get the good news from you, then where are they going to get it when they're ready? Because they can't get it anywhere else. So that means you got to be ready. you got to be ready to teach at a moment's notice. you got to be ready to instruct, to counsel, to advise, to educate. you got to be ready any time that it's necessary. you got to be ready because they can't get the good news anywhere else. So Jesus taught. And then he touched the people. He wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. He wasn't afraid to hang around with sinners. He didn't do what they did. For all of those of you that that want to try to say that Jesus, you know, went to the sinners and hung around and did sinner things in order to reach them, that's usually just the excuse I hear from people that still want to live in sin. Well, Jesus hung with sinners, so I go down and have a beer with them every once in a while because I'm trying to bring them to Jesus. Well, you're probably not going to bring them to Jesus if you're doing the same thing they're doing. I wouldn't advise you go down and hang around with them at the bar. I'd advise you... Be ready when they come out of the bar. Jesus didn't go to the bar. Jesus didn't meet the woman at the well at a brothel. Did he? Well, I want to hang around with these sinners and I want to try to help them. So I guess I better go down there. No, he met the woman at the well at the well. How many of y'all know that it wasn't a sin then like it is now to drink water? It's still not a sin to drink water. It could kill you some places in the world, but it's not a sin. Jesus met her at a place, a public place, with lots of people around. But he was willing to get his hands dirty. He's willing to spend time talking and investing in this lady. He's willing to take these little babies and gather them around him and show them love because so many of them were living in situations kind of like babies live in today. They don't have good mamas and daddies. And there was Jesus that would love these babies. And he loved people. He just loved people. He wasn't afraid to reach out and provide for them and show them that he loved them. He did something. He didn't just talk. He wasn't just a I'm not trying to be mean, but he wasn't just a politician making promises that he couldn't keep. This was Jesus who put his money where his mouth was. He did something. 
So in, th- in this very situation that we're talking about here today, he gets out of the boat. He's distressed. You know what he's just gone through. He gets out. He feels sorry for him. He begins to teach him. He teaches him, and then he realizes they're hungry. And there's twelve to 15,000 of them. And so he finds five loaves and two fish, feeds all of them, and leaves them with 12 baskets of leftovers because they're going to get hungry again later. That's compassion. That's being willing to touch a need instead of just and praying for that. I'm praying for that. Let me give me let me give you the phone number of the church. I'm praying for it. Let me give you the phone number of the church. Call Life Source down there. He 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 cares about you know basically that's what we're saying a lot of time. He cares about that stuff. So call call Ernie down there at Life Source. Jesus says, we, we don't have anything to eat. No, they don't have anything to eat. Jesus said, well, we're going to have to have something. We don't have anything. Well, then let me lead by example. Anytime you're in a situation where people don't have anything and you don't have anything to give them either, pray and I'll bless, break and multiply something and they will and you will and everybody will. If you'll be willing to get your hands dirty, I'll do a miracle through you. It's good stuff. So you can't, you can't get involved without it costing you something. And if you love people, you got to get involved. You say, Pastor, I'm a compassionate person. Well, I'm not talking about whether or not you're compassionate to your family and your friends and your pets. I'm talking about what you're going to do for people that you don't know. That's real compassion. Do you love enough to yearn to your very soul to help them? Do you see them in their grief and their despair and their hurt? Do you care that they're lost and they're confused and they're scattered? Are you willing to reach out to them even when it's not convenient? Will you tolerate them? Will you teach them? Will you touch them? What will you do? Because that's what compassion is all about. Compassion. God is really laying on my heart, and I know I've got to wrap this up, but he's really laying on my heart that we become a church with a that where that we are... Uh, our goal as leaders is to create a serving culture. We keep talking about that. This, this campaign that we're in is only a catalyst for that. A lot of you thought that we're raising money to, to remodel the youth room and build an awning. We are. But th- to me, that's the least, most insignificant part about what we're doing. Really? You trying to raise $250,000 and that's insignificant? Oh, yeah. The youth facility has to happen. We got to do that. The awning needs to happen. Some people say, we don't need to do that. Well, that's not compassion. When you, if you don't think you need an awning for people, then you're saying when it's wet, disabled people just don't need to come to church. Just let them stay home. These folks that are worried about slipping and falling just need to stay home anyway. These youth, if they can't get saved sitting over here looking at a flannel graph, then they just all need to go to hell. That's not compassion. Compassion says that whatever we got to do, we provide the very best we can to reach the most. Compassion. You say, are you trying to show out passion? You're just trying to make our church better than every other church. No, I'm not. But I'm trying to make our church better than every other place in the world. I'm not trying to compete with any churches. I'm not even trying to compete with the world's entertainment. I'm trying to compete with the places so that, that we'll have a chance to be compassionate. So we'll have a chance for them to see the relevance and the authenticity and the excellence. 
Compassion dictates that we have to do this. Compassion requires resources. And so when I talk about this campaign, I, you know, I know we're trying to raise $250,000 for those reasons, for the youth facility and for the, the awning. But my, my, my vision is so far beyond that, guys, and I share that with the leadership. I'm telling you, I, God is laying it on my heart to become a generous person, more and more generous all the time. I want, I want to give to things that are, I want to give to projects. I want to give to things that matter, don't you? And, and so I'm, I'm in this mentality of, I'll just be honest with you. I've been straight up in pie meetings and town hall meetings and, and everywhere that I've talked about this. I'm just looking for a group of people that'll, that'll think like I think at the end of this campaign that will say, pastor, what are we going to do next year? Cause in my heart, this year it's remodeling some facilities. Next year, let's plant churches. Year after that, let's build an orphanage. Year after that, let's raise up more ministers and staffs and more. I, are we not ever going to stop, Pastor? Well, why would we stop? Are you ever going to stop talking about money? No. No, I'm never going to stop talking about money. Why? Because it is the way that we accomplish these things. It's the way that we get done the kingdom of God. It's not my choice that we do it that way. It's God's. I mean, he could have used anything. It doesn't have to be money. I mean, all of our society could be, it could be all upon fish. I mean, we could just walk around and say, I got, I got 87,000 fish. and I'm, I'm, it, it could be anything. But God, for whatever reason in our culture and society, it's money. If, if this was a, a, a society about fish, then people would be guarding their ponds. I have six ponds in my backyard. All of them are well stocked. I don't want anybody out there fishing. It's funny when you put it that way, but that's what we're doing with our money. It's the same thing. It could be anything. It's just that this is how society works. for. And so God says, you know what? It's not just about a $250,000 project this year. It's, it's going to be so much beyond that. You're always going to be fixing up the facilities. You're always going to be taking on new ministries. You're always going to be doing more in missions. You're always going to, we're, we're going to do more, 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 more. And people that don't like that aren't going to stay. They want to find a church that's just going to say, look, we got this box and we got a little bit of patch of carpet here. And let's, the 12 of us, let's just sit here until we all die off one at a time. Some of you are laughing because you came from that church. You say, Pastor, you you talk like this sometimes. You act like you're angry. I hate the devil. I hate what he does to people. He's a liar. I know we're not supposed to bring railing accusation against him, but I call him names. I call him names when you're not around. He ain't never done nothing to me but bad. Even the tricks he played on me that, that I thought were fun were killing me. When I served him, I was dying fast. I don't like him, Lonnie. He hates your family. He hates your life. He hates your health. He's got, he's got one agenda, and that is to kill, steal, and destroy you. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have that more abundantly. I'm like, hey, I'm for that. What do you need, Lord? You need my car? Need my house? Because I have never been able to give him something that he didn't bless me over and abundant. If I give him my house, he'll give me a better one. 
I'm not doing it for that reason. I just can't outgive him. I've never been able to outgive him. You know, uh, this past Thursday night, the leaders of our church, we had a little dinner. We got together. Marco cooked us some fajitas, and it was incredible. But we met because we wanted to talk about this campaign, and we wanted to talk about, as leaders, how could we lead the charge for where we're going with this? And, and I'm telling you guys, it, it blew me away. It blew me away. I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to have a lack of faith, but, you know, we had broken this down. We said we we're going to spend probably close to 75000 in the youth facilities and another 125 on the on the drive-through. And you say, really, it's going to cost $125,000 for a drive-through? Well, we're going to try to do something bigger than a tent. So, so yes, it is going to cost $125,000 probably. And so, you know, when we got together, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be in faith, you know. I'm trying to, I'm thinking, well, you know how many people are going to be there. And I, I got to tell you all, I, I thought, you know, if in that leadership, I thought if in that, in that leadership, if we could generate fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, that that would be huge. I really did. But they surprised me. A group of about, I think it was probably... 40, 50, 135,000 dollars from your leaders. Next week, as a church, we get an opportunity to join them in their faith. I told them, and I'll say it to you probably again next week. I told them this is not about sacrificial giving. I don't want any, I don't want to give till it hurts. Does anybody want to give till it hurts? I don't, I mean, I know there's some people that have warped mentalities about things, but I don't want to give till it hurts. That doesn't sound like fun to me. I don't even really want to give sacrificially. I know I will at times. I have before and I will again. But this particular time, the Lord's impressed it on my heart. And I, I, somebody said, came up to me, and I think it was, it was Shannon. He came up to me and he said, <clears throat> after the banquet the other night, He said, I've never seen anything like this before in my whole life. He said, you did everything but tell people not to give. It's the craziest thing. I don't know how in the world we raised that money because he said, you did everything in the world but tell these people don't. He said, you basically told them, don't do this. Do not do this. Because he said, I'm just, I've told Deb all along, I'm just not going to manipulate. I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to prod. That that God is creating a generous spirit in our church and he's creating a group of us that have a mentality of, of, of a serving culture and this is just the catalyst, like I said, and that there's, there's going to be a group that beyond this year that are going to come up next year to me, and they're going to say, Pastor, what are we going to do this year? I know that's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, and it's going to be the way we do things from now on. What are we going to do this year? How much can we give above our tithe this year? Now, some of you are sitting here in this room, and this is your first time in our church, or maybe it's your second or third. Even if this is your fourth, then for four weeks you've been hearing about money. You're like, man, that's all this church does is talk about money. Well, no. Come back in about two weeks. Come back in about two weeks, and we're going to be talking about something other than money. We might talk about it as well, but it'll be something too. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. The good news is, though, that two weeks from today, Pastor Kyle will be preaching, so you know at least it'll be good. But we don't talk like this every week. But right now, we're in the midst of something. God, This is a place that God has put our church, particularly right now. It's, it's what he's doing in us. And it's not comfortable. And, and in some ways, it's not fun. 
I'll tell you, as soon as you submit to it and you get on board, it gets really fun, though. Everybody that's involved that's jumped on board, are, we're having a ball. We're having a ball. Autumn said to me the other night, she said, I, I do fundraising for a living. She said, this is the most fun I've ever had in my life doing fundraising. Where are you at, Autumn? She's in here someplace. There she is. She said, this is the funnest one of these I've ever been a part of. So... I seriously, I want you to be praying. When he talked about the prayer initiative, I want you to be praying about what God wants you to do because I, I'll be very honest with you. When I, when I make this statement, I'm, I mean it with everything that's in me. I don't want you to give one penny more than what God tells you to. If God tells you to give 50 cents over the next year, then give 50 cents. Because here's what I'm convinced of. God knows how much we need. And God is telling people in obedience what he wants them to do. And if everybody did in obedience what God tells them to do, it will be the amount that we need to do the project. So for some, it's going to be 50 cents. For some, it may be $5. There's, there's, already, been, there's already been some that, that, that are involved in this that are, that are several thousands and thousands of dollars. That's what the Lord's laid on their heart. It's just a matter of what God tells you to do. But I'm telling you, just be obedient. So you pray this whole next week. You be praying, God, what do you want us to do specifically? And you arrive at that number and you hold on to that number. If it's too much or if it's too little, it doesn't really matter because this is not based upon your budget. You're simply, what you're doing is you're asking God, what do you want to channel through me this next year? That's all you're asking. And then you, now you do have to be, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? You have to be very um, deliberate about it. I mean, I, that's what the Lord is showing me is that, like, like if, I, if I pledge an amount and make a commitment to a certain amount and then God puts that in my house and I say, oh, hey, cool, I'm going to go buy a jacuzzi. And God's going to say, okay, that's not it. That's not why I did that. So I've told Deb from the beginning, I said, man, we're going to attack this thing. We're going to pay it off as quickly as we can. We're going to attack this thing because I believe that, that I really believe this and I'm not doing it for that reason, but I've seen this too many times before with, this is the third campaign we've done since I've been here. And every one of them I was a part of. And every time we got done, I had more when we were done than I had when we started. So I know that God is going to meet the need of what he told me to do. He's going to provide that. There's no question. He's going to provide that. And he's going to provide everything else that I need. Why? Because it's his house. He could do whatever he wants. He could do it however he wants. He's just letting me be a part. And it's so fun and it's so exciting when it's all over with the stories that get told. And how it changes our lives. We do this because God knows we need it. We have these discussions because God knows we need this for growth. So you be praying this week about what God wants you to do. Next week we're going to have a huge celebration. It's going to be really exciting. Our, our, our youth have already made pledges. Our children are doing so. Next week, they're gonna, during the service, they're going to come in and they're going to present what they're going to do. The youth, did you guys know? The, you know some, some people said, well, the youth, need, the, the youth are getting a building, then they need to pay for it. They need to have a bake sale. Because you can raise $75,000 at a good bake sale. Yeah? But our youth have pledged $3,850 to give toward this. That's huge. Where, where, where are some of those individuals? Individuals, kids, where are they going to get two, three, four hundred dollars this year? Say $200 is no kind of money. It is if you don't have a job and you're 15. It's huge. They are, they are, they are buying into this 
because they want to be a part. Our children, our little children, they're not even big enough to go in there yet. They're getting involved. And as adults, we're going to celebrate next week and we're going to, we're, we'll, we'll do this whole service. We're going, to, we're going to talk about the last letter in the campaign, the H, and we're going to have the service. We're going to bring those uh, commitments together. We're going to total them up. And before we leave, we'll know how much we raise. And then we're going to go out to the park and eat hot dogs until we explode. I mean, I'm going to be so fired up when we get out to the park next week. It, 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 I would blow away in the wind if they didn't have something tied around my ankle. I'm going to, I, I'd be so fired up, I'd just be floating on the clouds. I'm going to be so excited. Why? It's not about the amount to me. It's because I know that every person that gets involved, if, if you're supposed to, and don't if you don't, if you're not supposed to, don't. But if you're supposed to and you get involved, I know what's getting ready to happen in your life this year. And I, and I rejoice with you. I finish this message by saying, the reason for all that, the spill and all about the money, it all goes back to compassion. Compassion requires resources. So this year, we'll fix the buildings. Next year, let's plant a church. Or let's build an orphanage, like I said. Let's do something. Compassion will always require resources, and God will always let us, he will let us be the ones to be the channels of those resources. Every year from now on, we're going to get to do something. You, and every year you'll have it. You may not want to participate. You don't have to. It'd be, we're going to be, but we are going to be reaching and making a difference until Jesus comes somehow. We're going to reach and make a difference somehow until Jesus comes. Because that's our heart. We're going to accomplish the five E's by reach. And reach dictates resources. Man, I hope I'm communicating. I'm trying to be just as clear as I can be. For some, I'm probably as clear as mud, but I, I, I'm trying to, to, uh, to communicate. So what I would say to you as I finish this up next week, you know, you got, they gave you those commitment cards last week, and you've had a chance to look at those. If you don't have one and you still want to look, it's a card that kind of gives you an idea about what amount would total up to and all that. If you want to have one, you can get one of those after the service. We'll be glad to get you one. But we'll have those again next week here. You be praying about what you're going to do. Also, the other thing that we're going to do next week is we're going to have a first fruits offering. And what that means is, again, this is not manipulative. Don't, don't, don't do anything the Lord don't tell you to do. But we're going to, next week we're going to try and we're going to give an offering. And above our tithes, we'll do the tithes early in the service. Then at the end, we'll do this first fruits offering. And we're going to try to give as much of our pledge as we can. You say, well, pastor, there's no way. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to be able to give thousands of dollars next week in the offer. I understand that. I'm saying as, as much of your pledge as the Lord allows you to give next week will be great for this reason. Because we're not borrowing this money. And we're going to start these projects and we're going to do them as the money comes in. And so we're going to take this first offering and that's going to kick off the, the youth project. And then the money's going to be coming in to keep it going for the next year. Does that make sense? So throughout all that, we hope, we hope not, to have one, not to borrow one dime and have one bit of interest. That's our goal. I don't like interest. Hate it. It's of the devil. So anyway, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a fun day next week. And then, like I said, we'll go out to the park and we'll have just a great time. It's our family day. We have this every year, our family day out of the park. Uh, sign up for that out there if you would. There's a couple. I'm going to make a couple announcements here at the end, but I want you to pray with me if you would right now. Wrap this up. I do so appreciate all of you. So thankful for your patience. I'm so thankful that you tolerate me. I'm glad that you give me the opportunity to to invest what the Lord shares with me 
into your heart, and I'm thankful that you received that. I don't want anybody to leave here today without having had an opportunity to respond to the Lord or to his word. I know we had a prayer time. People came forward and needs were met and miracles, I think, happened in this room. But I do, don't want us to leave without giving the Lord an opportunity to change somebody's life. If there's somebody here today who say, Pastor, I just need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I, I, I want to respond to the compassion of Jesus. I want to be his child. I want, to, I want to live for him. I want to be a part of his kingdom. I want to be a part of what God is doing. If that's you, we're all praying. Everybody in this room is praying. But if that's you and you say, I want to be a part of that, I want to, I want to be a part of this family of God, then I wish you would just lift your hand right now. I'm looking. I'm watching for you. And if that's you, you lift your hand so we can pray for you today. We know that God can change your life, and he will. And we give you the opportunity right now to respond to his word. Anybody that would like to. Lord, I thank you. I thank you so much for this day. God, in my office, I was so excited. I was, Lord, you know, I, I was sitting over there and I was just excited about being a part of this worship. I love this worship. I love the music. And I love the songs. I, I love the prayer time. I love the fellowship. I love your word. I, I just love this church. I love your people. And I look forward to Sundays. It's, it's so much fun for me. Thank you that I get to be a part of it. Thank you that we are a part of your family. Thank you that we get to sense your presence. Thank you that we're going to spend eternity with you. Thank you, God, that, that no matter how hard we try, we could never, we can never outgive you. I thank you, Lord, that our lives and in our Christian lives are not about trying to outdo you, but we're about resting in your grace. Oh, sure, we work. Sure, we pray. We toil. We, we sweat for the kingdom. But God, we do it with your grace and in your rest. Thank you that we get to be a part. Thank you, Lord, for the miracles we're going to see this year. God, we're going to see financial miracles, but not just that. Lord, as a result of this generous spirit that you're creating in our church, people are going to get healed this year. They're going to receive miraculous healings in their bodies families are going to be reunited. Children that are lost are going to come to know Christ. It's going to be an awesome year, Lord, and I'm, I'm excited to get to be a part of that. I want to see it with my own eyes. Thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to hear your word. I pray that we won't become upset by it, but the Lord will be able to receive the word into our spirit. Some of it's a hard word to receive, but help us, God, to be able to hear it and receive it and be changed by it. We do want to be compassionate people. Help us to tolerate. God, help us to remember to teach. Help us to remember to reach out and touch the people. Minister to people. God, I want our church to do more of that. I want to do more outreach, more evangelism, more missions. Lord, as you see our generous spirits, would you open up the windows of heaven and provide more and more resources for us to do your work. And bring us along as you do it, God. We're growing and we're growing as this happens. We're learning and we're getting better. I pray you'd be with us this week, Lord, as we pray and we seek you and prepare our hearts for all that you'll do next week. And this week, Lord, help us remember this word. Some of us just within the next couple days are going to have a chance to use this compassion that we talked about. Help us, God, to remember, be generous with our time, our patience. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.